I don't have a slogan like that yet, but I'll have one. All right. So welcome everyone to On With JCap. Uh, today I'm being joined virtually because of COVID. Uh, Nathaniel Flores. And we're, we're going to be discussing, looking at uh, the violinist argument. But before we get into that, uh, Nathaniel, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm Nathaniel, and um, I am a student at UCR. This is like my second year. Yeah, because it's kind of weird because I'm almost a third year because I came in with some units, you know. But anyways, um, I'm a Catholic. My background is Catholicism. And um, yeah, that's, I'm 19. So take everything I say with a grain of salt, right? I'm not that wise yet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I know do I, I do know um, a little bit about philosophy from the courses I've taken. The philosophy courses have been really good, especially at UCR. I, I, um, if I'm not mistaken, my UCR professor said like UCR had one of like the best philosophy department in all the UCs. That's what I heard. Yeah, I think I've seen that too. What what philosophy classes have you taken? Uh, I have taken ethics and the meaning of life and critical thinking and i'm taking one right now which is philosophy of law but it's um it, it's not really like philosophy as you would think it. it's, it's more of like a law class okay yeah i'm currently taking the the first two you mentioned which one have you liked the most so far definitely the ethics and the meaning of life because that's when i learned a lot um about the philosophers like i didn't know about schopenhauer hume uh hegel um, I did I, I really didn't know about them um, until like they gave us like they, they gave us like their readings like their their big readings and then I kind of got familiar with them and then I thought it was all really interesting and then um, like so I'll be like oh yeah this one's kind of based and then they would say something just totally out there and then I'll be like oh no that is just absurd like like Schopenhauer would say something really good, and then he'd be like, "What if we're all in a simulation?" I'd be like, "What?" He's like, "What?" Present? No, he said this. He didn't say simulation. He said, "What if the present isn't really a thing, and it's just the past and the future? The present is never a thing." I was like, "I don't know." He explained it all. I, I was just like, "What? What do you? What do you mean?" It's always interesting though, because they always, though it sounds like pretty crazy, and like, how could anyone think this? Then they give good reasons, and then you're like. Like, uh, I guess I could see it, but, like, I still don't agree. What was his religious background, do you know? I have no idea. Um, he, he talked a lot about um, hedonism, so I wouldn't take him as a, a religious type. But um, I want to say atheist, just by based off his writings. Yeah, I'm currently taking a, a David Hume class, and, yeah, he's more, he's on the uh, agnostic, atheist-leaning side but it's always interesting to see see both sides well that's good that uh that you like their the ethics and meaning of life class because for this episode we're going to be looking at precisely that uh an ethics related question it's uh more so having to do with um abortion but for this uh purpose we're going to be looking at it more of the ethical side and like as a more of a thought experiment rather than trying to refute or support it um, have you, are you familiar with the violinist argument? Have you heard it before? I am fairly familiar with it. 
I heard it from the speaker Matt Walsh. He gave it at a at a um a talk that he did at a university and I listened to the speech and I was just blown away by it. I was just like, wow. I, first of all, I give points to the like to the pro-choice side because I was like that that was actually like an argument. Like say whatever you will about it, but they really gave in a good like an analogy. They presented something to the table. That's yeah, pretty creative too, yeah. Yeah, more than just, you know, the the bumper sticker slogans you hear that everyone say, yeah. right? So I was kind of like, okay, I'll give him points for that. And then Matt Walsh just like tore it apart. So that's I only have like one side of it really. Like I haven't heard someone defend or really yeah. give the violinist argument. Like Matt Walsh just said it. Like he just said what they purport um to be the analogy. And then he just tore it apart. So that that's all my background with it. You probably have more um, knowledgeable sides. Uh, that's that's uh, similar to my um, experience with it. Also, I mean, you sent me that video. I, I saw that one also. I was like, I really enjoyed how how Matt um, really broke it down and, and made it more. I don't know what's the word more appropriate to compare with like the the abortion conversation. I've also heard it from Trent Horn, you know, the very uh, popular pro-life apologist. But uh, other than that, I haven't really, uh, aside from, like, people calling in and trying to defend it, I haven't really, in a personal way, no one has tried to use it as an argument. But it has come up in um, in my philosophy club. But uh, just for those listening who may not be aware or uh, fully familiar with what it is. It's an argument uh, that was given by Judith Jarvis Thompson, which was first published in Philosophy and Public Affairs in 1971. And basically, the thought experiment goes like this. So you wake up in the morning and find yourself back to bed with an unconscious violinist, a famous unconscious violinist. He has been found to have a fatal kidney ailment and the Society of Music Lovers have canvassed all the available medical records and found that you alone have the right blood type to help. They have therefore kidnapped you and last night the violinist circulatory system was plugged into yours so that your kidneys can be used to extract poisons from his blood as well as your own. If he is unplugged from you now, he will die. But in nine months, he will have recovered from his ailment and can safely be unplugged from you. And I think right away we could uh, tell with that, uh, the but in nine months, we uh, it's very connected to abortion. Yeah. Uh, but like I, like we said earlier, we're going to, I mean, I think it's almost impossible not to kind of uh, draw some references or comparisons to abortion. But we're going to try to look at it strictly into just the ethnic, uh, yeah, the ethic part of it and what we would do. Uh, do you have any... Um, Initial thoughts after hearing this again, hearing the argument? Well, I think it's just important if you're exposed to this for the first time to really look at the language the analogy uses. Like every single word is important. I learned that when Matt Walsh explained it, like because um, it actually has significance into how both sides use the argument. Because, For example, like he, it starts by saying... How does it start? We're saying like the woman did nothing to inherit this child. Like it was just attached to her. How does it start? 
in, in the way that Matt Walsh said it or the way that the argument the goes? Feeling, um, no, no, no. The argument. How how does it start? Like, how does the um? So it's basically do- along the lines that that it could be. It doesn't even have to be a woman. It could be us. Uh, it could be a man who uh, is basically you became something happened to you. I guess you were kidnapped, but before that you were made unconscious, and then you wake up at a at a hospital because the society of music lovers tied you up because you're the only person who could save the this super loved violinist. Yeah. There and it is. Yeah. Okay, so the point I was trying to make is that it's like a third party um made the decision for you. It, it they were like, "Okay, we're going to save this violinist. You're going to help out." And like kind of like the other side is like wait no 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 like you know like you consent to having a child when you do this um bar like barring situations like raping and stuff like that obviously not but like um in, in most applications it's like most people consent to an activity that they know well will garner a child so I, it's just like, important to look at like the language they hear because like that's how it's like really picked apart is because um they're they're like oh well it's not placed there like no no one like it's going to attach the baby to you know right so it's just important to look at little details like that there's more throughout the um throughout the whole analogy but that was just my initial thoughts the the thing that caught my eye most is how it started yeah yeah yeah. i think with this to really if it wants to be used as a an argument in favor of abortion, it'd be more so at very strict. It'd be a very narrow path uh, going uh, because it can't be in defense of all abortions because it'd be basically here. It happens at random and we, and we know the way science works that at random that you don't, you don't just get a, a baby or unless certain, unless, uh, you know, your name is Mary, and it's 2,000 years ago. But other than that, you know, and I guess there are other cases, but that's very rare cases. So right off the bat, that's something to, to keep in mind. But um, striving away a little bit from thinking about abortion, what do you think you would do if you were in that position? If you were in the, pr- the person who just woke up, see you're tied up to this violinist, and if you unplug, then you're not going to be saving the violinist's life. You know, um, I would say peer pressure would take a lot of influence in that. Like, you know, your group of violinist buddies attach this person to you, right? And they're like, oh, come on, man, you could do it. Just hang in there. And then you don't really want to let them down. Like, I feel like that would be me. Um, If I didn't have a significant, like, more, like, um, moral attachment to this person i feel like i would just do it out of peer pressure reasons like okay then you know just gonna go through with this i mean um yeah i i mean that's just how i would view it to be peer pressure like oh no 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 you know i'll, I'll do it i'll do it do it because i'm <laughs> scared because uh what they would think if i'm just like oh do no, you no, do you feel I'm- that there'd be some sort of moral obligation to stay plugged into this person to stay connected with this person yeah, because if you unplug, that's like death. And death is, I don't know, it's really serious, especially to those who do not believe in the afterlife. Um, it's like 
this is all they believe in this life so that's just something so this is why death is such a um a significant event for everybody atheists and theists alike um so i would just i, I would feel a moral obligation i don't know about others yeah i feel i can sympathize with that i mean i can see both sides um because in one way i feel that we wouldn't have the moral obligation to stay plugged in because one well he's just some person off the street he may be like very well known to the music lovers to society of music lovers to be uh more correct but he's of no relevance to us let me rephrase that he he's a human right so we have that that like we would want to save another person but he's not it's not like if it's a family member that's what i mean and if we unplug it wouldn't be the same as killing the person it would be failing to save him because in this scenario he he'd already be dying he's already dying we're just preventing that from happening for nine months mm-hmm. okay i see so the way i kind of see it is it's kind of like Say you're walking down the street and you see someone that has earphones in playing music super loud and they're crossing the street and at the same time, uh, there's a car that's, if nothing, if gravity does its work, the car is going to hit the, the person. Right. And you, you see this and you could either decide to like sprint and push the, the person out of there. But if you don't do it, it's also, you're not directly killing the person just failing to save them and that's kind of the way i kind of see this this scenario i don't know what you think about that no that actually does make sense because you have the power to save them but Mm -hmm. it's kind of like not directly your fault if you fail to do it but i just see in the violinist it it's so intimate like you're giving life sustaining substance to somebody like to that person so it seems more like i feel like your analogy is is kind of comparable to most people's view especially like i would say like the pro-choicers how they view it yeah i I would say like for me personally it's more intimate like that's why i think the analogy kind of does a good job in describing the intimacy between a mother and a child not totally because it's kind of saying oh a stranger you know but yeah still like like intimate and i mean like they're close like they're exchanging fluids that type of stuff yeah yeah i feel that it'd be almost like if it was me i feel i would stay plugged in to the person because i don't want to be a cause for their not surviving if i could if i could be of help for this person even if i don't know if i could be a cause uh sorry if i could impede their death then yeah, you know, even if it's nine months and it's not like after nine months, like my life is over or anything, like I could, I still live, right? So I think I would still do it, but I, I could see it as it being heroic to stay, but not morally obligated to stay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think it could be permissible, but in the end, it'd still be like, say people found out, then you'd be like, what the heck, you, you unplugged? And that wouldn't get a good uh, review, so to speak. But I think I, I would stay plugged in. 
you see, I didn't get that version of the analogy. I got it where like you 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 give you stay plugged in, right? right. And that person lives after the nine months. I didn't know the in the true version they die. Oh no, 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 they do. They 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 stay alive. Oh, they stay alive. Okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry if I mixed that up. Yeah, yeah, they stay alive. That's what I'm saying. Like after the nine yeah. months, both of us could live our lives. So it's uh-huh. not like we're really lo- we might be losing the nine months, which yeah. also is a to. I'm I, I mentioned it before. It's hard not to draw the comparisons to abortion because this it's what it was made. This argument was made for, but in this scenario, it's like you're basically stuck for nine months without being able to do anything. But in a pregnancy, sure you have certain stuff uh, that you can't do, but it's not like you're just laying in a bed with nothing to do. Right. But in both in both cases and, and in this case more specifically because what we're talking about, after the nine months, you go back to living your life. So I feel like that's even more of a reason to help this person survive. Yeah, not to mention the moral um weight that'll be on your mind if you choose to unplug. You know, you have to live with that. Yeah. So that'll be tough. And then there's also another Oh, there's there's a bunch of um, versions to the argument, uh, but it, it, if I recall correctly, this is the the original one. But there's also the reverse of it, right? So it's like, say that you are the violinist, and you got uh, plugged into this person, and you're depending on this person to to survive. And then like I that for a lot of people that would change things significantly because you'd be like. Well, yeah, I I, I want to live, so yeah, I don't. I wouldn't want them to unplug. What do you think about that? Um, I think that if that's an like that example sheds light to how there is definitely two parties when it comes to like um just interests, like and and an abortion too, like two parties when it comes to abortion, the baby and like the mother, right? So from when you put it in that perspective, it shows that the second party, like the baby, right? It's like they're obviously like you could see like an abort. Like I don't want to talk too much abortion because we said we wouldn't, but the baby like right fights. Like you, there's videos where like they fight against abortion, right? Yeah. Like, to them, you could see like because that shows like how they weren't comfortable with it. Um, because I think humans are made with like this. Um, this kind of like when when we get pain to ourselves, we have a like a, a reaction, right? Right. So that shows that that party is uncomfortable, does not want that to happen. So I, what I like about that example is that it, it says like it shows a desperation of that that um, that person that that needs that life sustaining sustenance. Right. And um, the only unfortunate part is like when the case of the baby, right? They have no voice to express that sentiment. So um, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's also good because a lot of times we see this very one-sided. Again, it's hard not to mention abortion, but a lot of times it's, well, what about the mother? What about the woman? What about this? And but really, you never hear talk about the second party, right? The the person that designed the womb. And here it puts you kind of in the other side of like now I'm the one who's depending on someone else to live. So then it's kind of like it makes a it makes uh some people kind of 
there's going to be people who are going to be like, yeah, people, he could unplug if he wants. But for the most part, uh, we care about our life and we'd want to, we'd want that person to stay plugged in. Yeah, that's, that's the case of putting yourself in someone else's shoes, that example right there. Exactly, yeah. And I think that one also was brought up, that I, I was introduced to that one by Trent Horn, uh, a caller brought up the the argument and the caller was just like oh i didn't i didn't think about that and it's true a lot of times like we don't care enough to think about the other the other side because it's just too easy to stay on this side of of the the fence so to speak yeah that's why it's important like in these like these thought experiments like they actually have real world applications and it's important like we like try to really picture ourselves in those situations so we can give the best response possible because if we think of everything from an ideological standpoint we're just gonna make like blanket statements and we're gonna think of everything as so black and white so Mm -hmm. cut and dry right but when you get down into the nitty-gritty things become a lot more gray and you, you have to contemplate the moral um um, pros and cons to a situation so it's important to step out of the the ideology like the the philosophical terms and get into like the real the real um the real world application right yeah a lot of times we view it as something so abstract but like it's not something that will happen right or we definitely hope not but it's something that we could find ourselves in like similar circumstances where we could uh, find ourselves in situations where our decision of ours could deeply, deeply influence somebody else's life, whether that be life or death, or whether that be so uh, in a different way. Uh, I also want to ask you: so, with that example of us being the violinist, what would your reaction be from an outside perspective? I guess that. What would your reaction be, say you were conscious, right, the, as a violinist, and you knew you were dependent on this person to uh, stay plugged in so that you could survive for just nine months, but uh, they decided to unplug anyway. How do you think, would you, do you think that they would be morally right in doing so, or what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Hmm. I, I don't know why I thought of this right away. It's because of my, I think because of my Catholic background. But I was thinking like, you know how there was a lot of people who um, who would go seek Jesus to cure their ailments, right? Mm-hmm. And they were just like coming to him all, all, all full of their ailments and just suffering, right? And then I just thought of like, what if he just turned them away? And then, and then what would the people think? Would they would be like, oh... Um, it's okay. Like, I I feel like they would be morally wrong. Like, Jesus helped because you know how God is good. He's he's good. He's um Amen. Where's, he's infinitely good. Or how is this saying go? Which well yeah, he he's all good, all loving, all caring. He has all the good attributes, none of the bad ones. Exactly. So that is why he helped people when they came to him. And so I believe in that situation. Like, if I was just out of luck right there, I would just, I would think the other person was morally remiss not to, like, give me the treatment because I feel like the moral obligation is, it is given during that. I feel like it is. 
And that's an interesting point. Yeah, Yeah, that's an interesting point because taking it back to the initial one, the one by by Judith Jarvis Thompson, if we were the ones who had, who are told, given the option, that, hey, you're you're plugged into this person, but it's just for nine months, uh, you can unplug if you want, but this person won't won't survive. Uh, As Christians, we are called to be like Christ, and there's that, that popular... Uh, though I think it's Protestant slogan that what would Jesus do? Yeah, and I doubt I I don't think there's an argument that could be made that Jesus would unplug. Right. Definitely. Um, and then bringing it back to if we were the violinist, I think it also comes back to uh, why is us for Catholics, but then also for other people, the answer could depend on our view of death, which you mentioned uh, not too long ago. And that could be a big factor because uh, if it's someone that fears death, then yeah, they're gonna be like, "Oh, I definitely want this person to stay plugged in." Right? They're gonna be, they're they're probably if they're an atheist, they're probably gonna start praying because they don't want to die, right? But a lot of times for us, for Christians, for Catholics, death isn't something that that we should be afraid of, right? Yeah, that's interesting. So it's uh- like. Would we be okay to want to stay plugged in? Probably, but it's also like we shouldn't be afraid that they're going to unplug. That's interesting you bring that up because it's really like Christians on both, like if they were on both sides, like say they're on the side of whether to unplug or not, they have a moral obligation to plug them in. And then on the flip side, if someone pulls the cord from them, they have us they they've been wanting to to meet God, you know exactly. they've been wanting the culmination of their i mean unless the Christians like has like sin in his heart and he hasn't gone to confession, then he's gonna be like, please don't he's gonna be please yeah. he's like please not in confession, please 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 or but, or it could be bring me a father, bring me a priest, yeah, yeah, but during that situation, they're gonna be like, oh well, thank you God for the life you gave me um um, Mary, please pray for me that the sweet angels take me up to heaven, you know? So that's interesting. Yeah, I just thought of that right now, too, seeing him more of a, from a Catholic perspective, from a Christian perspective. Because death isn't something necessarily bad, right? It's. I, I was watching a video of, of a priest, and he said death is, is like a door, right? He, was, he said death doesn't even exist. It exists for people who are here in Earth, right? So for like, oh, this person died. Well, we could say that, right? This person died. But for us, like when when we have our own personal experience with death and and we die, it's not really death. It's we're being opened the door to the actual life, to the true life. So in that way, maybe I wouldn't want them to. Maybe I wouldn't want them to stay plugged. Or I wouldn't mind it if they stay plugged. But if they unplugged, I don't think I'd mind. I don't. Do you find yourself in a, in a similar thought process? Or what do you think? Yeah. Um, I just hope by that time, like, you know, I don't have any familial obligations. Like, say you have yeah. kids, you know. Say you have, like, toddlers. You're like, oh, shoot, I can't die. I need to raise my kids. Um, I would say if I was, like, Say right now, 
I mean, maybe I had a life ahead of me, right? But, I mean, we think God planned out our life. Like, he knew what was going to happen. And he allowed this death to happen. Mm-hmm. So you just embrace it, right? Because you accept his will, his submissive will, what he allows to happen and what um, his grace as well. So I feel like I would... I wouldn't. It's easy to say this now, but when you're faced yeah. with death, emotions do settle in. But I, like just thinking it from right now, I think I would be okay with it if I was in a state of grace. So, yeah, yeah, and you do bring up a good point because it's not just like we mentioned before. Excuse me, it's not just very black or white because we never know when this scenario happens in this thought experiment. Right? We could be at a certain age where we have a family. We could be at a certain age where we're caring for our parents, right? Because they're older. So that that is a lot of things that that go into into account. But yeah, that that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it much, as much as we we've gone over it. Oh, and can I bring something up real quick? Yeah, go um, for it, man. It ties in with a saint, um, Saint Rita. I don't know if you know this about Saint Rita that she prayed to God. That her kids um, died before they committed the mortal sin because their father got killed and they were seeking vengeance over the, the people who killed the, his, their father. So St. Rita was praying that her kids would die before they committed the mortal sin of killing, like avenging their father, right? Right. It, you know, like thou shalt not murder. That's a grave sin. That, that's a one way ticket to hell. You know, so St. Rita was praying and I think God answered her prayers because they, they, they got illnesses and they died. Like, I feel like people who treasure this life the most, they'll be like, that is so awful. You know, why would she want that? Like, how would you wish death upon your kids? But the thing is, Christians don't view this life, like dying in this life as death necessarily. Death as an ultimate statement. It's more of like, that's... Like, death to us is hell. That's death. Like, if you're in hell, that's death. Jesus talked about this as well. Like, right. when he says, like, oh, um, if you lose your um, life for my sake, you'll actually gain your life. But if you choose your life, like this earthly sense of life, um, over choosing me, then you will lose your life. And when he means losing your life, he means going to hell. So that's why St. Rita didn't want her kids to lose their actual life, which is their soul, which goes to heaven. They didn't want her to. So I just thought that it was relevant. And I would bring her up that example. No, yeah, that, that's a really good example. Tying it back with how we shouldn't be too tied up with if the person unplugs, right, in the case that we're the violinist, that we shouldn't be too... Well, first, I think... One would be to, we'd be called to be forgiving of the person. Like, okay, this person unplugged, but I forgive you. Now, and then it comes to accepting that, okay, well, there's no saving me now. Start getting ready and everything that that you're going to die. And then, yeah, it's more preparing for a grand feast rather than the common literal preparing for a funeral. But yeah, that that's a that's a really good point that you brought up. Yeah, man, that's that's, and, and it's almost like the maybe some pro choices might agree with this. Oh, so you do think we should plug? I mean, we're not unplug. I'm like, we're we're not right. saying 
that. We're just saying, if you did, us Christians are morally obligated to forgive you. It's not saying we, you should until all people at all times. No. Yeah. If it happened to us, personally us, we would have to be forgiving because Christ forgives everyone. And we say even in our Father, forgive those who trespass against us. And we can't go to heaven with grudges in our heart. We know that. So, I mean, we're just speaking from our shoes here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because some people get, uh, from the pro-choice side could, could say, ah, so you're saying it's okay to unplug. <laughs> yep. Well, not necessarily, right? And even if we did, that doesn't really concede many points, though this isn't about points to that side. In particular but yeah i feel in the case of if i was the person to be sustaining the life of this person that i never knew but i knew he was loved i would probably stay plugged but i could see the argument of it being something heroic to stay but not being morally not being a moral obligation to stay plugged in but i would stay plugged in and in the case of me being the violinist, most likely I'd want the person to to uh, stay plugged. Not because I don't want to die, but maybe for further outside external situations that make me want to continue to live here in this life. Right? But in the circumstance that the person unplugs... Then that's where it comes to, okay, I forgive this person and just start getting ready for what it is for the transformation of the real the, the real and true life. Yeah, well said, man. So to, to summarize, you would in, in the case of you being the sustainer of keeping or you being the person who's keeping the violinist alive, would you stay plugged or unplugged? I would stay plugged because, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like it does administer a moral obligation. That's my opinion on it. So I would. And on the off side, you know, I, it's really circumstantial for me. Like, um, what if, what, like, I just thought of this. Like, what if you know you have a bad habit, a bad sinful habit? Say it was a bad sinful habit, right? Right. And you just got out of confession, though. So you're good. You're in a state of grace. But you fear that you're going to sin again. And this whole ordeal happens to you. And would you plea for the person to unplug you? Because you fear you might sin again and lose your soul? That's interesting. I just thought of that. <laughs> like, if, we'd, if we want to dive. Oh, man. Sorry to the people listening. They just heard the train. <laughs> mm. that's interesting yeah because would that be okay it really is circumstantial it really depends but then in that case would it be okay because it almost it'd be like an assisted suicide right that is true i see i didn't consider that that is oh my goodness but then again it's not like they're killing you they're failing to save you but the yeah. intention counts a lot. That's that's a tough In one. Christians, you can't seek your own death without suicide as well. 
So, I mean, you could just be like, well, on the pro side, you see, I am in a state of grace. So, maybe it's not so bad I pass away. You could have that too towards it, but you can't actively want to die. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, I guess in a way, there's some of there uh we it, the argument could be made that as catholics we do want to die but not in the sense that because we want our death on this earth but because we want to meet the lord right yes but it's hmm. i mean in the scenario that you could talk to the person who is currently the reason you're still alive or you're going to survive for nine months and you could talk to them and you're in that and you're in that scenario that you that you explain then maybe having to talk with them and being like, like, hey, I'd appreciate it if you stayed plugged in. But in a way, I'd also appreciate it if you don't. So ultimately, it's up to you. And I'll accept whatever it is that you choose to decide. Because in the end, I mean, if they unplug and you weren't the direct cause of that, then then yeah, you're in a state of grace and most likely we're going to be going to heaven. But if they unplug and you have this habitual sin, then you have a new opportunity to overcome that sin. That is true. You know, it it would almost be like doubting Jesus's mercy too. It's saying, it's almost like saying, you know, I'm, I'm scared I might sin again, and I'm scared you're not going to forgive me that time, which is also right. bad to doubt Jesus. That's a sin itself. So I mean, It's almost the, what is it, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the unforgivable sins. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad I thought all this out. You see, like, just think, this is like a thought experiment. It really is because I feel like at the beginning of this podcast, I was all over the place, but now I have a more refined view. And I I feel I really do think it's circumstantial. You can't really make a blanket statement like, oh, it's always un- it's always good to keep plugged. And it's always bad to unplug it. Like it really is circumstantial, especially when you throw Christianity in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I feel it varies a lot more. For. The Christian perspective when we're the ones that are being kept from dying yes because it could depend what uh motives we may have for wanting to stay in this life or or not but in the case of us being the ones keeping the other person from dying I think as Christians the the only call really is to to stay plugged yeah, definitely. That's that's a for sure. That's definitely a, a a blanket statement we could make right there on that side. Or could you imagine uh, somebody saying that as a Christian, there is a way that that we could. I don't want to say excuse, but an argument could be made that a Christian could morally walk away and unplug. Oh man. You see, I don't know. I just thought of something else because, you know, the whole death penalty thing. What if, like, right. someone death row became attached to you? What do you mean? 
they were going to be put to death by the state, right? But they got attached to you by the violinist thing. Like, because you're saying, what if a what if there's a circumstance? And I was just trying to think of a circumstance. Like, what if that happens? Like, what if someone that's so morally depraved that people are calling for them to be put to death? Mm. And you're feeling all this pressure. People's like, unplug, unplug, do it. Come on, come on. You know, some... Cr- I so know are you saying if the, like, instead of a violinist, it'd be like a criminal? Or, or what do you mean? A criminal, yes. Like a death row. Like it's attached. Like they became attached to you. Um, mm. they, came, they came under your care for some reason. I don't know. But you got a lot of pressure to from outside influence to get you to um, pull the cord, right? But the thing is... See, I don't know. This is where I don't know because... There's some Christians that are anti-death penalty and some that are pro. So I'm not sure when it comes to that. Mm, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I feel still in like, I still, I feel we still would be called to forgive. Right. So even if people are telling us to unplug, I don't know. I feel. Yeah. See, what if they're like. Oh, he's gonna, he already, I saw his Twitter, man. He, he said he's gonna go do something very, very bad after this nine months. He's gonna, he's, he's just gonna, like, do all these crimes or whatever, right? X, you know, you, you're already imagining, whatever. Like, and then so people are telling you, please don't. He has a track record of doing this stuff, and he already promised to do it again. Please, un, like, cut this nonsense out and make him pass away. What would you do, you know, like... I feel oh. like at that point, though, wouldn't the government intervene? <laughs> I know. I'm just making this crazy. <laughs> I'm really telling oh, yeah, you. I get you. you know, that's philosophy. It calls you to test the bounds of this, like, these situations to prove if they're actually a good analogy. Right. Yeah. Um, it's really pressing all the moral questions right now. So that's a good one. I mean, I can't answer it. I'm not asking you to answer it either because yeah. I don't answer for that. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it's similar, like, well, with the example I gave with the saving the person with the headphones before they get crashed by a car, it's similar to the other thought experiment. The name doesn't come to mind at the moment. But it's basically, like, if you see a drowning child, would you be morally, would it be morally permissible for you to just walk away and not save that child? And I feel like it's kind of along those lines, too, because... Like I said in the beginning, we wouldn't be killing the person. We'd be just failing to save them. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's a tough one. I still feel there's a moral obligation, man, when it comes to I, stuff. Too, I, I, I feel, I mean, I can see both sides. It's a gut reaction. Like, oh, how do you not do anything? And then, then again, I mean, there's also the, oh, what if they're Hitler? But I, and I think that actually was a thing that happened, wasn't it? That a priest saved a little boy from drowning, and that boy was Hitler. I think I read that somewhere. It might have been a meme, but I'm pretty sure that did happen. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, people's. I don't know if that's real or not. It sounds concocted, but I'm not sure. That would definitely throw a wrench in it as well, though. Yeah, and those are such common like objections like oh what if they hitler what if they're this this and that but it's like but then it's also what if they're not and i think the likelihood of of 
not being Hitler is much greater than the likelihood of them being Hitler. And I, but yeah, like you said, I, I think we we are morally obligated uh, to to stay plugged to help save this person. Definitely, bro. Definitely. And I, and I just thought of a different scenario. Well, what yeah. if when we're plugged in, we're saying, well, yeah, we're morally obligated, but you have someone at home, like like a parent or something, that's at a certain age, and they're dependent on you. For being oh, able to stay alive, shit. like feeding them and right. You see, this wasn't this wouldn't happen to me because I have brothers, and I'll just tell them to get on that. But wow, that's a unique situation. Yeah. Oh, the family. Well, you told me something like that the other day, or oh, it made it like if it was a family member. And I was oh, like, I think it's when we were going over the the trolley problem. Yeah, yeah, you're like, what if you you just switch the track so the train went and hit that person, and then it, it, it missed that five person, but when you switch the track, you're actually actively killing that one person. Yeah. Away. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, when it was just one person, I was like, oh, you just don't move the track. Well, then like, what if it's your family? I was like, yeah. Oh. No, why? And I feel there should be a name. There probably is a name for that. We know we're just basically we're adding a bunch of stuff, making it more emotional, basically. But it it does get you thinking. And I feel for the trolley problem. Hopefully we could we could have you back on and we could talk about that one too. But it is. It's like a lot of times you add stuff to it, like because in this case, in the strictly to to the Judith Jarvis argument, it's a random person, right? Yeah. That's important. That was a key word. Randy. Yeah. So it's just, it's this person that you don't even know. It's like, do you know who Morgan Wallen is? I do not. So he's this country singer, right? So it's if I, it's, it's like if I tied you up to, to Morgan Wallen to help sustain his life, you don't know who he is, right? You have no emotional connection to him besides that he's another person, which does play a big factor. But to draw on from, from this argument, you, you don't really don't know who he is. Maybe if you were someone who listens to his music, or in this case, you listen to the violinist, that would also come into play. But it's a lot of factors that that are really crucial. Because if it's not a person, maybe it'd be easier to to plug the to unplug the cord. I don't know. It's it's a yeah. tough one. Man, philosophy, man. <laughs> That's what's so great about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Nathan. I want to thank you for, for being on. Hopefully I can have you on for, for future episodes. Definitely. Uh, yeah. We we mentioned the the trolley problem, so hopefully you could uh talk about that one for a future podcast episode, maybe get some more of a Catholic perspective if there is, if we could find one. Uh, and maybe also in a future episode talk about again the violinist argument, seeing its variations, but also connecting it and actually talking about it as the pro-life versus pro-choice movement or whatever people would like to call it. But uh, yeah, anything you wanna you wanna say before we sign off? Do you wanna uh, share your social media or? projects that you have coming up something um i do not but i have advice 
Pray the rosary. It works. I attest Amen. to it. I testimony. Pray the rosary. It works. And I'll leave it like that. Amen. And that, <laughs> that's perfect, too, because then we could have you on for an interview on, on your testimony. Oh, All right. Yeah. All I right. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be it for, for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. And hopefully you'll pray for us and we'll pray for you. Thank you, guys.